Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly unique perspective. The aquarium hobby is pretty weird when you look at it from an outsider's perspective. I mean, honestly, it really is. Now, it's not a bad thing, it's just a fact. We're into some pretty obscure stuff, aren't we? We've become experts on some real minutia about fishes, and that's actually pretty cool if you look at it objectively. We talk a lot about some pretty arcane subjects in this very podcast and our blog, and, you know, that's par for the course. Part of this is because most aquarists are just as complex as their aquariums, endlessly diverse and generally quite interesting. Okay, there are likely a few fish geeks out there who are just dull. Hey, I'd be full on lying if I said otherwise, right? But really, there are many different paths to success with aquariums, of course. But I do think there is actually one key thing that your aquarium needs to be successful. Yeah, you heard me. One thing. Now, that's a rather strongly assertive claim coming from me, Mr. Don't-take-anyone's-advice-too-seriously, right? But I'll own it. I really do know the one thing every aquarium needs to be successful. It's not fancy low-iron glass tanks, not electronic controllers, state-of-the-art filters, you know, Mars rover-style plumbing schemes, multi-chip LED lighting systems. They're all nice things to have, of course. However, you need none of that to be successful. The one thing that an aquarium needs to be successful is stability. Stability. Yeah, that's what every aquarium needs to be successful. Think about it just for a second as you contemplate beating the shit out of me for a very gross overgeneralization, something I've admonished everyone in the hobby never to do. But stay with me for a second, okay? So the majority of the wild aquatic habitats we love to emulate are probably among nature's most stable environments. Sure, some are subject to seasonal fluctuations, the impacts of weather, and more recently mankind's influence and such. But for the most part, in any given season, the conditions remain rather predictable. However, as I mentioned, they're constantly under siege from external forces, aren't they? We read about the impact of global warming, pollution, deforestation, increasing acidity in the oceans, pollution, overfishing, all that stuff. What do all these factors what do all these factors affect? Stability. Why are these factors so impactful and potentially dangerous? because they threaten the stability of these fragile ecosystems. Sure, we can make some rather blanket statements based on our, you know, 100-some years of experience with the aquarium-keeping hobby that most fishes are really adaptable, hardy animals, and they cope with the rigors of collection and transport and acclimation and propagation, etc., and they're still apparently thriving. True, many fishes are more resilient than you'd initially believe, coming as they do from such seldom-changing environments. However... Just because your wild geophagus, your discus, your assorted kerosens, or betas managed to hang on for a while in a subpar environment during transport at the wholesaler and ultimately en route to you, does that mean it's adaptable? Well, maybe. However, I think it might be more accurate to state that it's simply tenacious, clinging to life in environmental conditions that are otherwise less than acceptable. I think so. Does this mean that it's okay to provide an environment that's less than very stable? I don't believe so. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Here's Fellman spouting off about stability on one hand and then telling us not to obsess over chasing, you know, numbers with the water chemistry, yet he's pushing botanicals as a means to attempt the replication of these specialized environments with no real point of reference. What, what, what the hell gives? Okay, maybe you weren't thinking all of that, but you were thinking about why I'm such a big fan of stability, right? I hope so. Fair question. Well, maybe I can recreate or create actually a sort of analogy That makes some sense. Maybe, you know, my analogies could go south pretty quickly. Let's say, for example, you're in captivity. Just the sound of that sucks, doesn't it? But you're plucked off the street by a human collector. You're kept in a 
a comfortably furnished apartment with some plants, you know, pizza, a nice couch, really fast Wi-Fi, all the Instagram and Netflix you can handle. Sort of your new life. You're confined to these four walls day in and day out. Almost as soon as you arrive, the careful conditions that were arranged for you will start to deteriorate, right? The air gets a bit stale, some crumbs from the pizza are accumulated on the floor. I don't care how careful you are, by the way. You'll leave crumbs when you eat pizza. It's a, it's a fact. Anyway, the bathrooms might start getting a little bit, you know, dirty. You know, light bulbs start losing brightness. You're sick of watching reruns of, you know, Pacific Rim and Game of Thrones or whatever the hell else is on uh, on TV. I mean, I would be. I wouldn't watch them in the first place, but that's another story. <laughs> Within a few weeks, the, the apartment's a serious, you know, college dorm room style mess. It needs a good cleaning. Oh, and you can't leave. Ever. Fortunately, the housekeeper arrives. The bathrooms are clean, the floors are vacuumed, the furniture is refreshed, and the linens are changed. You can breathe again. Fast forward two weeks, same situation. Place is a mess, and you're getting a little bit crazed from the clutter. Oh, and did I forget to mention, you can't ever leave. Uh-oh, the housekeeper's on vacation. Can't come on Thursday. It's going to be another two weeks or so. Housekeeper comes eventually. Your apartment's clean again, for now. And so on and so on. Sure, it seems okay from a comfort-provided standpoint, but the reality is that you're constantly forced to stay in the same place, and it keeps changing, swinging back and forth between extremely dirty and otherwise tolerable. And did I mention you can't ever leave? Yeah, I did. Now, what does this all mean to you, the resident? You're constantly having to adapt and deal with stress. Stress from a myriad of factors, ranging from the same food, the same sounds, the same four walls, to a dirty, then clean, then dirty environment. Seems innocuous at first, but the constant adaptation to changing conditions in a closed environment is quite stressful. Fishes hailing from some of the most stable environments on the planet are not really evolved to handle the stresses caused by constant environmental fluctuations without incurring some health issues as a result. When you factor in temperature swings, you know, increasing and decreasing alkalinity and pH, trace element levels, oxygenation, etc., it's a recipe for stress, plain and simple. And I believe stress is a problem for fishes, particularly stress brought about by constant environmental fluctuations. Sure, it seems painfully obvious that we need to keep environmental parameters stable for our fishes. I don't think anyone makes it a point to create wild environmental parameter swings in our aquariums. However, shit happens and we sometimes have to postpone water changes, routine maintenance, etc. And like I discussed above, fishes are reasonably rugged, tolerating periodic environmental variations. But wild parameter swings, not good. Now look, I'm not telling you to lock in on a set of numbers at the exclusion of everything else. I'm not telling you that a 2 degree day-night temperature variation is going to be the demise of your tank. What I am suggesting here is that you look into the overall environmental stability that you're providing for your animals. This includes things like feeding, uses of additives, changing you know, plant fertilizers. When you mix up environmental parameters or you're sporadic in your husbandry, in my opinion, you're forcing fishes to adapt to a constant change that they're likely not evolved to do. Rather than obsessing on, for example, like a phosphate level of exactly 0.5 parts per million, you can lock in a range within the target parameter of, say, 0.5 to 2 parts per million or whatever, and just avoid rapid wild deviations on either end. I know from experience in reef keeping and propagating coral that raising or lowering parameters like magnesium, for example, by more than, say, some very small percentage likely creates potentially stressful conditions for your corals. Now, fishes aren't quite uh, as touchy as corals, but the idea here is the same. Constantly forcing your animals to adapt to changing environmental parameters, regardless of the reason, is problematic. Stability in a range is also about consistency. 
consistency in husbandry practices, frequency of water exchanges, filter media replacements, the brand of salt mix you use in a reef tank, feeding, photo period, all that stuff. It's the name of the game. We often hear about the hobbyist who, you know, never seems to follow the age-old practice of regular water exchanges, you know, changing filter pads, etc. He has an amazing tank of her tanks for years. And of course, you know, we're quick to point out that he or she is just being lucky and that the error of his ways will catch up with him eventually. And it never seems to. You ever notice that? Oh, I suspect that at some point, lax maintenance practices will catch up with you. But I also think that the fact that the environment in the subject tank is consistent on whatever side of the range that is, um, you know, is a variable that's been eliminated. So environmental fluctuations are probably a minimum even in a neglected tank, ironically enough. That may be the reason for the apparent success of an otherwise contrarian aquarium system. Although the parameters may not be optimal for long-term growth and health of the fishes, with increasing nitrate and other organics likely not being fully metabolized by the plants or other life forms within the system, they're not constantly shifting either, they're just building. And maybe like a fine dance between good and bad. Meaning that the lesser of two evils in this case may just be the fluctuation rather than the parameters that don't meet the gold standard of you know generally agreed upon aquarium practice. Strange, but it makes sense in my mind. And I suppose that one could even make some, a somewhat convincing argument that even regular water changes are a sort of a stress-inducing event for aquatic plants or fishes, forcing them to endure little resets or changing parameters as a result of the change. That's bizarre, huh? Where does that leave us as a chorist? What's the best course of action? I mean, we, I've quoted the words of a child before in this blog, fishes don't break that easily, which is true, within reason, of course. Again, the occasional wild change may be stressful, but most, most fishes can kind of pull through. However, constantly having to adapt to wildly fluctuating environmental parameters is just pure stress for aquatic animals. That's why I always encourage newcomers to our world to move very slowly when adding botanical materials to an established aquarium. Even casually manipulating, you know, many environmental parameters in an aquarium can create a potentially stressful situation for fishes. The problem is always exacerbated, of course, by casually adding a little bit of this and a little bit of that just because. This is something that's been customary in the reef aquarium hobby for years. In the reef world, you see hobbyists lose their minds searching for the perfect tank, adding a little of this or more of that, and the quest for something, you know, chasing some additive or whatever. The short and sweet guide I have to adding stuff in general to tanks, if you're going to add some chemical additive or some, you know, fertilizer or whatever to do something or even attempt to change some parameter, make sure that the testing dictates that it's necessary. You know, in today's, you know, real high-tech information-enabled aquarium world, there's no need to guess about stuff like this. Um, the data is there for the taking. you got to make changes based on your system's actual needs, not suppositions. Now, with our botanical-style blackwater aquariums, we are sort of contradicting what I'm saying just a bit, I think. We toss in all these botanicals without knowing exactly how a given additional influx can influence basic water parameters. It's as much of an art as it is a science. So I sort of selfishly and shamelessly give us a pass for now. But only during this, you know, experimental phase that we're in in the hobby, eventually you were going to have to get a little more methodical. Maybe we'll have a more reliable testing, uh, you know, kit or whatever for specific tannins and humic substances or other materials imparted by various botanicals. Eventually, maybe. One can hope, right? The limiting factor in our world is being able to ascertain the influence of everything that we add. We're not able to test, for example, tannins. Well, I mean, there are tannin test kits, but they express as PPM or some other measure that doesn't really give us much of a reference point as fish geeks. There's hundreds of types of tannins too, so yeah. 
we talk about adding X number of leaves in a given side tank. Well, some of us do. I fear doing that, of course. But we don't really have a basis for knowing how much. It's sort of by eyeball. Perhaps, however, testing for, you know, changes of some of these things in wild habitats will ultimately provide a rough baseline reference. As far as aquarium testing, we're limited to the usual suspects. pH, alkalinity, TDS, conductivity, you know, the usual stuff. We need to focus on a few basic parameters, sure, like pH, alkalinity, and maybe TDS when managing our tanks. Nitrate and phosphate are also helpful. But we can keep things stable within a range in this type of system, and we should. And we can, you know, know, for example, when enough is enough for our tanks. We can ascertain when we're pushing it too hard, too fast. And we can still moderate our big moves with discipline and embrace this philosophy of seeking stability. Reducing variables and creating stability is a great overall aquarium husbandry practice because it plays right into the evolved need of aquatic life forms which favor a consistent set of environmental parameters. So I therefore submit to you that environmental stability within a range is the single most important thing that your aquarium needs in order to be successful. So it's not just about you know using the same source water, plant fertilizers, botanicals, salt mix, or whatever. It's about doing the same things repetitively, things that reduce environmental variables and inconsistencies that can negatively impact your fishes, your plants, and in the case of reefs, corals, developing and maintaining good regular habits. I think we should spend at least as much time plotting out how to keep our aquariums stable as we do deciding which LED lighting system to purchase or whatever. Sure, factors, you know, such as how to provide stability should influence our purchase decisions. In summary, Look, whatever methodology and course of care you choose to provide your aquariums, just be sure to do it with purpose, thoughtfulness, and consistency. What are a few things you can do as a hobbyist to promote consistency in your system? Well, here's a few things that come to mind right away. I'm sure you'll have more. Number one, acquire the largest aquarium that you can comfortably manage. Larger water capacity provides greater environmental stability and environmental consistency. Besides, what a rat excuse to purchase a larger tank, right? Number two, use the same products. An example would be like salt mixes, certain additives or fertilizers that you use. Use the same products regularly if you do use these products to begin with. Alternatively, or also, um, use the same source water for all your water exchanges. You know, same basic water parameters when you start. Number three, engage in the same husbandry protocols, you know, regularly, like water changes, you know, the intervals, um, media replacement, feeding, etc., etc. Number four, target ranges for, you know, chemistry parameters that are easily achievable and maintainable with any adjustments made solely as dictated by testing. Number five, observe your system carefully and often to ensure that the conditions are not deteriorating. Establish routines for a variety of aquarium-related tasks. In the end, aquarium keeping is really about creating a controlled environment for animals that are really utterly dependent on us and managing a hobby that's both enjoyable and not burdensome. Keeping live animals in captivity is a responsibility, but it doesn't need to become a chore. In the end, it is supposed to be about fun, right? It's about observation, interpretation, nuance, and finesse, and repetition, too. Doing the same things that work on a consistent basis. However, don't go crazy in this pursuit of consistency. Just relax into it and think about the impacts of everything you do with your aquariums. Again, encourage stability. Until next time, keep things consistent, but be sure to keep the fun level up. Keep learning, keep sharing, keep growing. Stay diligent, stay observant, stay thoughtful, and stay flexible. And always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.